0: Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today we have Dana Smith. She is the owner and operator of Waterbrook of Elizabeth City. Dana, it is an honor to have you with us today on the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad you are. I want us to jump right in uh, to some questions I have for you. Um, a lot of the people who will be listening who are listening to the podcast, uh, they don't know who you are. They don't know anything about kind of your story. Uh, they're not even sure what Waterbrook is, which we'll get into in just a moment. But tell us a, l- a little bit about your journey. I mean, you're you're not f- originally from Elizabeth City. Correct. And I know you are also a pharmacist, but today you own a business that is not a pharmacy. So I know it's kind of difficult to put, you know, 25, 30 years into just a couple minutes. But give us a little bit of an idea of your journey and how you got to owning Waterbrook, et cetera.
1: Okay. Well, um, yeah, the story is a, a pretty long story, but... To make a very long story short, I moved here from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina about 10 years ago and I acquired Waterbrook um, through a divorce proceeding, um, which at that time I was a pharmacist and I owned and operated a long-term care pharmacy. My ex-husband and I had three assisted living facilities that we owned and operated together. Waterbrook at that time was one of the facilities, um, pretty non-functional. It had been acquired from a cluster of assisted living homes through an investment company. And um, with some things that went on that that we won't go into here today, um, that investor contacted me and, and asked that I take over operation of Waterbrook. At that time, um, I was not familiar with Elizabeth City. I had been here once, was not the place on the map that I really um, would have chosen to move, moving from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, I loved where I was living. I had two small children that loved where they lived and we had um, a very stable life there. We were very involved in church and the community, very involved um, with the school. With outreach, um, my girls had a lot of friends. They were playing ball. They were dancing, taking piano lessons, and their friendship circle was there. My family um, was within a 30-mile radius of where I was living. So I literally was picking up um, myself and my two kids and my cousin, Rhonda, um, and Adela, who were here with me as well and moving to a place that I knew nothing about. So you
0: owned a pharmacy in Myrtle Beach, had a life there, correct? Yes. And sold that. Is that right? Did you I, sell that?
1: I ended up having to move my pharmacy okay. here.
0: Oh, okay. So then you transferred your pharmacy here and then also began to operate... Uh, Waterbrook. Yes. So that was a huge transition. It
1: was a huge transition.
0: Right. For, for not only you but for your girls as well.
1: The pharmacy was a little bit different. It was not a regular retail pharmacy. This was a long-term care pharmacy. So I was servicing the homes that we were um, operating as well as some mental health clinics in Wilmington and a couple of other assisted living homes in the Wilmington area. Mm-hmm. So in moving the pharmacy, Rhonda and Adela actually worked for me in the pharmacy. Rhonda was my pharmacy technician. Yeah.
0: Now, do you, 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 you t- excuse me, do you continue to have the pharmacy now? No,
1: okay. I ended up um, having to sell the pharmacy. We had to liquidate some assets, and that was um, part of what what I had to do. Right. It well, was, let, let's
0: fill some of the people in on what Waterbrook is. Okay. You mentioned it's an assisted living. It's also a retirement uh, home for some people and assisted living it's a temporary permanent what exactly is Waterbrook
1: Waterbrook is assisted living with a specialized dementia care unit Um, I am a dementia specialist Uh, I have kind of focused my my expertise in that area and have been a dementia specialist through the Alzheimer's Foundation of America since 2012.
0: Now what when you when you got to Waterbrook um, it was open at the time as an assisted facility?
1: This home was open. Um, There were some state violations and fines that had been placed against the home. Um, The home was in jeopardy of closing, and I really had no idea what I was stepping into when I took this business over. Um, I was really in a situation that I had to make a decision quickly Mm. um, about not only my finances and my financial situation going through this divorce, it was a really bad situation. And I had I had to make a choice. Um, during that time, I did not know the debt that was on this building when I came here. I literally was walking into a failing business and had hmm. no idea really what I was walking into.
0: And how how did you feel when you began to get the full picture of what was now yours and you were going to have to turn this business around. I mean, was I was that? scared to death.
1: Okay. Um, overwhelmed is not even the word. I cried every day um, after I got here yeah. and there was a point that I truly did not know if I was going to make it. I felt like I made the wrong decision and I felt like I was failing my children
0: okay now a lot of people at that moment would have quit I mean they would have just said okay I bit off more than I can chew I can't do this there's no way how did you keep yourself motivated to arrive every day keep moving through this absorb the debt pay it down you know whatever the state violations were you had to correct them I don't know if that came with penalties or it came with a threat of closing it down, but whatever was in front of you, how did you keep yourself motivated every day to keep going?
1: This building had a lot of potential, and it was licensed through the state um, for over 100 beds. And when I walked in, there were 28 residents living in the building. So it had room the, for
0: 100, but only had 28 yes, people there.
1: And the ceilings were literally falling in. Wow. Uh, I I was overwhelmed, but I had a phone call. I have told this story a couple of times, a friend called me one morning and it was one of those Jesus friends that oh. you look at the phone and I'm like, I just don't know if I want to talk to her this morning because she's always so positive. But I picked that phone up and I was coming across those, those that live in Elizabeth City know where I'm talking about. I was coming across the Camden Causeway and I picked that phone up and one of the first questions she asked me was, Dana, do you feel like God's forsaken you? And in that moment I did. Mm-hmm. I I was lost. I had no friends. I had no family here other than, than my children and Rhonda and Adela. And I didn't answer her question. She said, Dana, do you feel that God has forsaken your children? And immediately I said, never. She said, why do you think he's forsaken you then? And my whole attitude changed in that moment, I mm-hmm. think, Um I've got a couple of friends that laugh when I say this, but I decided to pull up my big girl panties and go to work. And I had to bear down. I had to go to the people that money um, was owed. There was a $250,000 local debt on this this business. Um, take a big gulp on that. Yeah. It was a $250,000 debt and I had no money. Yeah. I had to go to every person that was owed money in this town locally and tell my story and tell them that if they worked with me, I would pay them eventually. But if they didn't, my business would have to file bankruptcy and they would get nothing. Fortunately, every person in this town chose to work with me. Hmm. Um, That debt has been fully paid off. Uh, Other debt has been paid off that was incurred that was outside of that as well. We have come a long way in, it seems like 10 years is a long time, but in in the grand scheme of things, it's really a short period of time. Would
0: you have imagined um, 10 years ago when you first walked in and you saw the debt load and you felt that overwhelming sense of fear, would you have imagined you would be where you are today?
1: No. no not at all
0: and it's just been one day at a time
1: one day at a time some days one hour at the time yeah
0: yeah and where are you today tell me a little bit about kind of where waterbrook has has arrived today i know it's still got some more things in the future but where are you today and kind of draw a little comparison to where it was versus where it is now
1: lots of progress um we have we stay stable with about 80 to 85 residents okay, in our so building from right now.
0: 20, 23, I think you said it was, 28, 28. at the beginning, to mid 80s now, yes. as far as uh, patients.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, we will be well, full. Residents, I'm we, sure. That's right, residents. Yeah. We'll be full um, at about 95. Okay. We have several private pay residents. So, when this building was built, it's an older building. It was built for two residents per room because we do have people that that pay for private rooms we will never hold a hundred people we are very active in the community and very involved with our local chamber of commerce and we do lots of outreach not just for our residents but with our residents in the community we are volunteering one of our newest things that we're doing is we're volunteering for meals on wheels Hmm. locally that's awesome yeah we we have a really good time we have a project called adopt a senior Mm -hmm. that we started with the local chamber of commerce that's very popular Uh, our residents get adopted by the community at christmas and every resident gets christmas gifts from somebody in the community and santa claus comes in we have a dj and a huge christmas party during christmas and then we have a senior prom which is coming up we're very excited about that They have a DJ for senior prom, and we always have entertainment. So this year, it is a disco theme, and our residents have a great time.
0: I can imagine. So you're going to have a DJ come in. Everything will be decorated for the kind of the 70s, I assume, disco. Yes, yes. And they'll be dancing and singing and just having a great time. Yes. And you had a fundraiser uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, right? We did. Yeah. And that's an annual thing.
1: We do an annual fundraiser. We actually sell fried chicken plates out of our kitchen. Our kitchen caters it. And we sold 478 plates this year, I think. That's great.
0: Now, is that for just budgeting, just ongoing budget? Or is that paying down debt? Or is that opening up a new building or remodeling or whatever Mm -hmm. is needed?
1: So the annual fried chicken fundraiser does not go towards operations of the building. That goes solely for the purpose of resident activities we do over 130 hours of activities a month in our building with our residents and that goes towards their activities their outings um, anything that they do in the summer if we go bowling or go to new quality ice cream is one of their favorite things to do i think yesterday they went to to dairy queen but they go on a lot of outings we do outings every friday and then our events that we have that's what the that's what the annual fundraiser is for
0: that's great well let's talk about just owning a business in general okay not just your specific business but you've owned is this your second business with the pharmacist uh, pharmacy in in myrtle beach and now waterbrook or how many businesses have you owned
1: this is the fifth
0: fifth business okay so you have some experience obviously um, and owning one and, and operating one as well. So what is a, maybe a common myth people have about owning your own business? You know, and then once you step into that world, it's not nearly the way that maybe some people think it is. What's kind of a, something you didn't expect in owning a business, but you found to be true.
1: Mm, that's a good one. Uh, there's good and bad. Mm-hmm. When you think about owning a business, I think the first thing, you know, maybe in my, in my younger days, I always wanted to own a business because I wanted to be my own boss. And being your own boss comes with a price. Um, you're never off work. You are always on call. And some people may be fortunate enough that when they leave their business, they can leave their business and go home and turn it all off. Um, unfortunately, that's not the business I'm in. I am on call 24-7-365, and it is very rewarding, and I love the reward, but it can be very stressful yeah. as well.
0: So how how do you uh, unplug from, from the stress, or do you unplug? Have you found a way to do it? Because you have a lot of responsibility that you've carried for these last, especially with, within these last 10 years, uh, not just... In owning a business but transitioning moving uh going through a divorce uh, taking two young girls with you uh you know replanting their life here uh you know finding new friends on and on it goes i mean there's been a lot of pressure in within these last 10 years how did you unplug come away from it rest recuperate keep yourself energized enough to keep it going
1: My family. Or what have
0: you learned? Maybe you know because maybe you didn't do a good job, and now you're like, okay, here's (laughs) what I've learned.
1: Yeah, my family would probably say I don't do a very good job of unplugging because even when I'm at home unplugging, I'm doing Um, something—um—folding laundry. Laundry is always there, but you know, I think finding the time to take a break and putting a team together that you can trust Mm -hmm. and having people there that you can trust when you do have time that you can take off. For a long time, I felt really guilty. Um, I can't say that I'm completely over that when I take a week or I take time off. I I feel a little twinge of that guilt Mm -hmm. in there, but I still try to do that. I push through that and it takes me a couple of days when I'm on vacation to start to relax, but once i do that i'm i'm okay i do have a team of people that i depend on and i trust and putting those people in place is really important
0: and how much of a challenge is it to find the right people to put in place
1: it can be a challenge but i think what i needed to do and what i what i did do what i continue to try to do and learn is there there are things that i'm really good at there are things that I'm not really good at and putting people in place to do the things that I'm not really good at and letting that part go.
0: Hmm. Um, Well, well, tell me, what is a strength? What are you really good at doing?
1: I think in my business, one of my strengths is communication. I I love open lines of communication and being able to say what my expectation of my staff is. is going to be is important and you know communication is just huge it doesn't matter if it's in a work relationship or a friendship or a love relationship that is just really important and I think setting those guidelines and expectations um, is something that, that I'm pretty good at mm-hmm. I am open to discussion about new ideas if somebody has an idea that they think may be better. And I try to express that to my staff. And I think that's really important for them to know that they can come talk to me and to maintain that open communication.
0: And have you discovered a few things that, you know, this is not my strength? I need to stay out of this. I need to delegate this to some other people. What's what's one or two of those areas where you just know, hey, I, I just I'm not good at doing this?
1: Bookkeeping. Is not a strength and I have a great bookkeeper Um, my human resource director keeps me in line every single day Um, on on Monday I think she monitors what I do on the weekends but we kind of laugh about that accounting is not my strength and I had to do it for a period of time but as soon as I found somebody that could go into that spot I needed to let that go and turn that over Staffing issues sometimes are not my strength. Rhonda handles most of our staffing issues. And when you
0: say issues, are you you talking about if if there's a problem with an employee, whether they're not showing up on time, doing a good job, is that what you mean?
1: They tell me I'm the queen of second chances because I tend to um, see potential in Mm -hmm. people. And I am probably gonna give way too many chances. Um, Rhonda is generally my voice of reason. Yep. She will step in and go, okay, it's, it's time. And sometimes not that nicely. Right. <laughs> but just, you know, finding the people to to keep me um, in my lane, doing yeah. what I need to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so those are, are two areas that, that I depend on them for a lot of help.
0: Now, did you have a a season of time um, in your career where you didn't understand your strengths and weaknesses and try to do it all? Absolutely. Yeah. I think most, most leaders struggle with that. It's coming to a place where you can recognize what you can and can't do. I think there's a, it seems like I know at least in in my world, there's a, you know, a a, a false uh, idea that a leader is supposed to do everything well. You know, and that's, especially if you're the owner, you know, you're at the top, you should be able to do it all well. And that's just not the case. There's just things we do well. There's things we don't do well. And we probably never will do the things we struggle with. We probably will never be an excellent uh, person in that area. You know, it's just not our strength and let it go.
1: And I think, you know, maturing in, in the business and gathering more knowledge, understanding that it's okay if you're not good at something. Mm-hmm. It's not important that you have all the answers. It's important that you know where to go to get the answers right. and having those people in place that can, can drive you and motivate you to do more and do better. Yeah. Um, one thing that they tell me every year when I do evaluations for my supervisors, I always set goals, not just for their department, but I set goals for my supervisors. I want them to have a personal goal as well. And they get really frustrated with me sometimes when I do that because that's their personal goal. Right. But I just feel that we all need to always have a goal, something that we're striving towards, even if it's small. Mm-hmm. So it, that's really important to me to continue to grow and learn myself and to have those goals.
0: Yeah, that's great. What is a uh, current frustration you've got now? in your business, something you're working through, maybe an obstacle right in your way that you're trying to navigate around? What's something fresh that you're working your way through?
1: How to manage my stress, I mm. think. Um, I, I, I'm always looking for new opportunities as well. And sometimes when doors close for me, it becomes frustrating and stressful. Uh, I like to, I like to do new things. I like to explore new ideas and new opportunities and I have looked at a few new opportunities recently and it seems that those doors open and and shut and I think the frustration of wow I really want to do this and then that door shuts Mm -hmm. but it is something that that I I think about and I pray for if it's not supposed to be then I want that door to shut for me um so I think just managing my stress, um, managing what goes on in my own mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm reading a book right now and it's on practical meditation. And for a long time, I didn't think that meditation was important. I thought, because you know, I had this idea that meditation was part of a different religion Mm -hmm. or a different culture from what I was used to. And I've actually learned that that meditation is helping my stress and Mm -hmm. it's helping to calm me. I am very unfocused sometimes. So taking 10 minutes or 15 minutes to just be quiet and be still has been really helpful to alleviate some of my stress. That's and good. I actually am not falling asleep. It's amazing. Wow.
0: That's <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, what would you recommend uh, maybe someone to learn more about meditation? You mentioned a book you're reading again. Give us a title of that again, or maybe even something else you've read.
1: I love to read so this is one of three books that I'm reading right now but it's just a beginner practical meditation book and there's different meditations when I don't know about everybody listening but when I first um Thought about meditation, I thought, oh, you have to sit with your legs crossed and right. make these noises and chant right. these chants, and it's not that way at all. Um, my daughter actually said, "Mom, are you going to be able to meditate? Because are you going to be able to sit with your knees like that?" <laughs> and <laughs> we laughed, but I said, "I don't have to sit like that. I can sit straight up in my chair." Yep. But uh, just taking taking some time to um, get away from the noise, from the cell phones. From the questions, and just be still. I think is is what I have. You
0: try to practice that every day.
1: I do, and sometimes yeah. I'm not good at it.
0: Yeah, is that hard for you to just take that quiet time? Very difficult. Yeah, Very Because your your you, your personality lends to just being busy, right? All Keep the time. going, right? All the so time. So how how do you, as a leader, stay motivated? Is it through reading? Is it through conferences? Do you listen to podcasts? Mm-hmm a little bit of all of it. Um, how do you keep your, your leadership edge fresh to keep the fresh ideas flowing, you know, to keep you kind of on the cutting edge as much as possible and knowing how to push your business to the next level, how to deal maybe with conflict? What do you do?
1: I love to be around people who are motivated and mm-hmm. positive. Um, I am part of the Chamber of Commerce here in Elizabeth City and some of the most motivated people in our city Are part of the Chamber of Commerce and part of this business community, and I love being around those people. I learn something from from them, and to see what they're doing in their businesses, and to network. um, Networking opportunities are so important, and just to be able to be in the presence of some of those people that are are successful in the business community, and listening to podcasts, reading books. Um, I, I, you and I have a mutual love for Andy Stanley, and right. I just love his podcast. Um, very positive, a lot of motivation in that, a lot of things that that help me in my personal business and and with my family. So I think just putting myself in the presence of people who are motivated theirself mm-hmm. is what motivates me. Yeah, that's great. Well, you mentioned family, and that that leads me to to wonder how do you
0: keep it balanced because. You know, obviously over these last 10 years, there have been seasons where it was every ounce of energy you had, every bit of mental capacity you had, had to go to getting this business from from going under, to keep it afloat. So how have you been able to manage a family, kids, uh, a new marriage, um, owning a business? I know you're involved here at church often. And all kinds of different things you've even gone with us to south america before on an outreach uh trip how, how do you keep all that together how do you balance and i'm sure that there are times you don't you know it kind of falls falls you know and you have to pick it all back up but just in general how do you keep it
1: together well i'm crazy scott no <laughs> I, um i i think i compartmentalize well okay. and Even though I don't leave my business when I leave my business, it's always there for me. I'm dealing with people's lives and their families. So it's very personal. My business is a very personal business, but I compartmentalize well. And when, when I first came here, my girls grew up in this industry. My girls, Carly literally was born into assisted living. Um, so they've grown up knowing what to do, how I manage. They've spent a lot of time in the assisted living facilities that I've been in a lot of time. uh, They've spent a lot of time in the pharmacy. And because of that, they have helped. They have been able to help a lot in those areas. I've been able to bring them with me to work, which I was very fortunate. A lot of people are not able to do that. So, Being able to have them with me and them being a part of what I do has has helped through the years um, to not have that separation of time. And in having this as my business, when they had sports or events at school, I was able to shoot out of there and and go to their events and be a part of those things at school that that I couldn't do if I was working in a nine to five job. And Josh and I got married in 2013 um, i said I was never, ever going to do that again, but we got married in 2013 and, and I, Clay just turned 14. I have a stepson. So blending families was pretty difficult for a period of time. Um, we struggled and, yep. and blending families is not, not easy at all. I think that's one of the toughest jobs that I personally have had, um, but we make it work somehow. Josh is very supportive of what I do, and my ideas. When when I have to go out of town, or I'm going to look at other facilities or, or other businesses, um, I he's he's supportive. I don't I don't catch any flack from him for anything that I'm trying to do or any new idea that I have. So that has been very helpful to me. And then the support system at work, um, I just can't say enough about the staff that I have in place and the team that's in place for me because without them I couldn't I couldn't do the things that I do
0: yeah. you ever look at yourself in the mirror and just think wow you made it because you didn't think you were going to at times
1: I don't ever feel like I made it yeah. um, I still feel like I'm on a journey yeah. and I love looking back and knowing that I've overcome I said if I ever write a book that's going to be my title hmm. is overcomer um, but I I think I'm proud of the steps that that Rhonda and I have taken together as business partners and that my girls have taken with me because they have traveled this journey with me and literally when I didn't think that we were going to be able to make it.
0: Hmm. So. Well, on the personal side, um, hobbies. You have some things outside of, of work and home that you enjoy doing?
1: I'm a water girl and i love the beach i love being on the water anywhere really so in the summertime we do a lot of boating i love horses although i haven't had a horse since we moved here that is something that's um coming it's getting ready to happen oh, again. Great. but i like to read um just being outside in the summer i think is is the biggest thing for me just being on the water water is very peaceful for me yeah. And has been a part of my life, my whole life. And that's where I find the most peace and calm and joy.
0: So is that is that what a perfect day off would look like for you? A beach? Yes. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> yes. laying on the beach and just taking a nap, looking at the at the ocean, just taking it all in. That'd just, be a day off.
1: Yes. Sitting in the sunshine, closing my eyes and listening to waves is the greatest day ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, what what do you never get tired of eating? If you could have this one food, wow.
1: I am not going to say protein shakes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have to have. That's right? what I have what, to what have. What do you enjoy?
1: Um, my children would say that I love chicken because I eat it all the time. <laughs> but I guess if I have favorite a very favorite food, um, probably Italian, mm. anything Italian. I love pasta. I could do it a whole podcast weekend. just on Italian I food. I know. I love <laughs> I love Italian food.
0: Yeah, do you have any particular favorite uh, restaurant that you get your Italian food or you just enjoy the home cooked Italian food that you you make or what? Oh,
1: wow. Um, there were a couple of restaurants in Myrtle Beach that were great Italian great restaurants. restaurants. Um, I you know I, I don't love Olive Garden so much. Yeah. Um, everybody loves the Olive Garden thing, but I don't I love more authentic mm-hmm. Italian um Restaurants like the smaller yeah. Italian restaurants are really my favorite places to go. That's
0: great. I'm an Italian food fan. I love it. Well, here's a question that I'm, I'm always interested uh, in finding out the answer to, but it's it's one of those things that sometimes we're not prepared and we have to think it through. So if if you could if you could sit down and and have a drink with with anyone, past or present, okay, whether this person is alive today or or not. Um, who would it be and, and why, why would you choose that person and sit down and have a drink with them and talk? Who would it be?
1: Mm. Um, there, there would be two. Okay. One obviously would be my mother. Mm. My mother passed away in 2005 and, and I'm an only child. Uh, my dad is living in my facility at this time and he has dementia and, when my mom passed away, it was pretty devastating to me. And just looking back, there are questions right now that I wish that I could have asked that I didn't know to ask mm-hmm. that I would love to be able to ask now. Yeah. Um, the other person is someone that I affectionately call Nina. Um, she came into my life um, just just about the time my mom passed away and um, she took care, helped take care of my children. When we were living in Myrtle beach, she became like a second grandma to them. She was, her name was Kay barrier. She was handicapped since she was 17 years old and was in a wheelchair. And Carly used to say, Nina, you're the most unhandicapped handicapped (laughs) person I've ever met. She worked for IBM for many years and um, just was, strong leader she was a business person with business knowledge that worked her way up um, with IBM and in that world of technology from a wheelchair and was just an amazing lady um, an amazing person in my life and if I could sit those two down and have
0: Italian food
1: Italian food with them (laughs) yes it would be be absolutely amazing it would be great yes
0: That's awesome. Well, Dana, what's the best way for people to contact you? Maybe they have questions about getting a business started or they just want to talk to you about the transition, you know, of a new city or, you know, a blended family or or just anything. Or they just want to help maybe with a fundraiser or what you got going on or they want to support one of the uh, the uh, residents during Christmas or something, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you?
1: Um, there's lots of ways. I am on Facebook, um, Dana Smith, and I have, we obviously have a website, www.waterbrook.net. Um, we can be contacted through our Facebook on online, um, Instagram, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh Waterbrook is local here, and our phone number is 252-331-2149. I can be contacted there pretty much Monday through Friday. Great.
0: Well, Dana, it's been an honor to have you here. I'm so glad um, over your journey, what you've been able to accomplish, how you've been able to turn Waterbrook around. Excited about the future for you, because I know you're not going to stop. you still got a lot of ideas and creativity and energy and passion, and I hope you get a horse quickly. (laughs) I I do too. That, <laughs> that's something that you
1: want before we go and, back to ecuador yeah right
0: <laughs> and may and may you have many beach days may you have many sunny days at the beach and enjoy uh, enjoy every moment so thank you for being uh, on the podcast
1: thanks for inviting me
0: thanks again for listening to this episode of the imperfect leader podcast as i mentioned at the beginning please go by itunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on facebook instagram and twitter also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting scottneil.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottneilonline. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.